Rogue Radio. Now available on Mixcloud at mixcloud.com forward slash rogue country. Keep it rogue. Yeah man, Rogue Radio is back. I'm excited to be doing episodes again as I was talking about on the last episode. You know, I got a bit of fucking burnout last year and you know the whole rogue team did which you know it's hard when you set something up kind of during a pandemic rogue country has been up for three years now and i think we've you know we've made some waves we've shook some cages and i'm happy about it but you know you can only shake cages before for so long before you need a fucking break and i think that's where we were at so rogue radio is back i'm doing episodes every two weeks so i'll be doing an episode of into the van one week episode of rogue radio the next week and i'll do that until i get bored and don't want to do it anymore which hopefully won't be for a long time please go check out rogue radio and rogue country we're really trying to do something in the uk that i think is essential we don't have the representation or scene that you know even just states in america have and what i really want to do with the country and root scene in the uk is be able to put uk artists toe-to-toe with amazing american and international musicians not in a competitive way but to say if you like this person you will also like this person from the uk because there's a wealth of talent here and that's what we're trying to do um yeah man i'm recording this on friday the 21st of january meatloaf died today which fucking sucks um it's a weird one with celebrities dying especially icons you know the uh post i let everyone know on his site was saying how he'd you know six decades of music and 64 films and a lot of my social media today has been you know dealing with the loss of such an icon and it's a fucking shame man it's really a weird one when you lose people like betty white died you know a few weeks ago around new years and it's losing these cultural touchstones and it's a strange thing that everyone in the world knew who meatloaf was everyone knew his music everyone would know one at least one or two of his films and it's sad man and the world's lost a icon and you know his family have lost a husband and a father and it just fucking sucks and it's a yeah it's hard processing a grief for someone you never even met and it's hard to process the loss of that person's music especially you know he was 74 they've not really been active in a while but to just know that he was still around it's there's a comforting present it was like you know i'm a huge comic fan and to know that stan lee was still around was one of those things to, like you could set your watch to a lemmy motorhead tour every november a uk tour from motorhead and you could literally you know that was basically the touchstone for the calendar that was the year and it was you knew every year without fail no matter what happened there'd be a motorhead tour and then Lemmy fucking died and there wasn't any more and you just have to kind of move on and there's that void and it's not fair in any way shape or form so if you're a huge meatloaf fan i'm sorry for the loss obviously massive condolences to his friends and family who will never hear this but it's obligatory to say isn't it because it's just it's just fucking shit man but let's get on with the podcast because that's what we're here for um <laughs> yeah what do i actually talk about now i have a new single coming out on the 9th of february we have mothman and i'm really excited to hear this this is a trio this is the first time i've had drums on any pieces and i'm really fucking excited for people to hear it to see what they think we've got pre-orders available because it's going to be exclusively on Bandcamp from the 9th of february it's not going to be on any streaming services until the 9th of march and my decision behind that is basically spotify don't pay shit 
streaming services don't pay well so i want to go to the place where fans and people actually support me and bandcamp is that place so i've got t-shirts stickers and handwritten lyric sheets available for sale you buy one of those and you get a digital download of mothman because it is a digital release but it's i want it to be more than that it's not just something that's going to be stored on your phone i wanted to give people you know something tactile as well as a digital thing because you know digital stuff doesn't really exist look at all that nft bullshit but mothman will be out on the 9th of february on Bandcamp, and then a month later on the 9th of march on all streaming services because spotify and i've talked about this before is basically a promotional tool so head over to my Bandcamp, which is mike333west.bandcamp.com and yeah head over there pre-order it it will be out i'm really excited to hear this it's something completely different and yeah i'm just absolutely hyped you also need to listen to through the night the broken bindings debut album i did a review for rogue country and you know i don't lie i don't bullshit if i didn't like it i just wouldn't review it and i genuinely did love what james and the broken binding brought out with through the night and i'm re- i was really excited about this james has a way about him and an intelligence and a tact for how he posts and how he markets his music that i really think is really interesting and really useful to musicians so let's do it man this is episode 43 of into the van with mike west and the broken binding have an office does that help with like your songwriting and your musical things to get away and to you know have that time to devote oh uh, yeah it, it does i tell you i don't do a ton of writing out of the office but um having the ability to get away is mm. so important because <laughs> i've got three kids two of them little and and um they are always wanting to know what daddy's doing and what's it like being a musician with kids because like i'm 30 now and down the line i would like to have kids but one of the things that like i kind of worry about is you know the music taking a hit obviously that's a selfish thing to think but it is one of those things i do worry about where it's like i would have to stop gigging and touring as much for a small period of time did you find that with your kids and things um I mean, it totally changed my perspective. I mean, it was about 20 years ago. Um, I was playing in this punk band that played quite a bit in the air, in the region and um, no kids, no, no uh, responsibilities, the whole thing. And compared that to like what I'm doing today and just the fact that like literally every decision I make um my first thought is how does this affect my wife? How does this affect my kids? Um, Can I be away for that long? Can I do this? Can I do that? And it's, it's really shifted my perspective and it kind of took, took a while to get there with it, but uh, you know, to kind of reconcile, because I I took about 10 years off of performing Mm. um, just to kind of do the whole family thing. And, And when I started up again, my wife was pretty adamant that it didn't consume everything I did yeah. because she knew me way back when and, and knew that, that it can, th- these things can blow up and become way more time, take way more of your time than, than, than you expect it to even. And that's, that's when you're planning for it, let alone uh, 
you know, you, I don't know. Things can get swept up yeah. in a hurry. So, so she was pretty concerned about it. So, yeah, I'd say that that most of the time, you know, like the, the family, the kids and all that have a pretty major role in any decisions that get made. Hmm. Definitely, definitely, definitely different these days. Yeah, I can imagine because I've talked to a few different people like Charles Wesley Godwin I had on the podcast last year. And because of the pandemic, he was at home for a lot of like he just had a kid. So he was seeing a lot of things he'd missed for his first kid. And he was seeing things I'd missed. And that's one of the things where it's if I have a kid, I don't want to be away at any point that might risk missing like first steps or first words and things. And it does change how you would tour or gig or devote yourself to music. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with that because I mean, my goals are are, are so shifted from what um, typically you would think of as a musician, you know, as as a writer, as as any of those things. Like my goals are definitely way different than they would be if I didn't have kids and, mm-hmm. and that whole thing. And, and um, it's it's interesting when you've seen both sides of the coin. Um, but you know, for us, you know, like our goal is not to be on tour for six months out of the year or anything crazy like that. Our, our, our goal is just to make great music because we love making it. And um, hopefully the other, you know, hopefully life lets us keep making it as, as long as we can type of thing. Yeah. Um, it just, I don't know. It just change. It just changes everything. Cause if, if your family is not the most important thing in your world, then you maybe need to take a step back and look at your world again. I think. Yeah. I know, definitely, man. But let's get back to being because obviously I know you from the Broken Binding. But what, like, what year or what age did you first pick up a guitar or instrument or realize that music was an important part in your life? You know, it, it, I have a funny story. Like, I, I'm not some talented dude that that just you know has always been making music or whatever. Um, but it was always there early on. I know uh, when I was younger, I, I did a lot of writing and. Um, with no real purpose just Mm. because I just naturally did it, which was kind of funny. And then um, I had some buddies in high school that kind of played instruments and started like kind of a crappy little high school band, you know, and I was just enthralled by it. Like Mm. it just, it just, it sparked something for me. And I was probably about 16 or so when I picked up my first guitar. Mm. Um, What what were you listening to then? Like what were the bands you wanted to emulate all the Oh dude, like, you know, this is this is mid '90s, so um, I always make jokes that, that my first three records that I that I remember just wearing out was Weezer's Blue album, um, Green Day's Dookie, and Pearl Jam's Ten. <laughs> um, those were like kind of the first three records that I that I recall just just never in you know just always having on and, and listening to in the car or whatever and. And, um, so yeah, I was pretty heavy into, into the, the kind of grunge era, which turned pretty quickly into, into punk and ska and that whole, that whole movement that happened later in the nineties there. But yeah, it, it, I was definitely pretty heavily influenced by like Weezer and Green Day and, and Pearl Jams and, and all those, all those bands from the, that era. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. Cool, man. And then. You took like a 10-year break, was it, from like that kind of era into what you are doing now? Yeah, yeah. Um, so in early, well, I guess it was the 
around 99, 98, I guess 98, um, I started playing. Um, we put a band together when I was in college, and that turned into a band called the 77 Jeffries, mm. which primarily did what we called poser punk. Um, it, it was kind of that the time for it, you know. Um, all those bands were really kicking and just everywhere. And, and we did that for oh, seven or eight years. Um, signed a record deal didn't it wasn't very fruitful Mm. um and then um the band kind of went through their separate ways a little bit at that point um as we were all kind of starting to get older and we uh for me i tried to do some solo stuff i wasn't really digging it um wasn't received super well plus i didn't really know what i was doing as a solo artist Mm. and um you know started having kids and the whole thing so it just kind of fell by the wayside and um yeah so i took about 10 years from that thing ending to um starting the broken grinding project which Mm. is pretty crazy to think that a whole decade passed um but yeah life happens in a hurry right yeah yeah that's crazy man so with like saying you didn't really know what to do in terms of as a solo artist what where you doing like what do you think wasn't gelling right when you were starting off back then i think more than anything for me i mean i I can as a writer i was pretty good at at writing like catchy little hooks Mm. especially that that went into like punk music and all this stuff um but i was super one-dimensional um and trying to figure out, because I'd started playing, when I first started playing guitar, I mean, I'm like everybody else. I, I picked up an acoustic and kind of started figuring the chords out and the whole thing. But, you know, I pretty quickly moved to an electric and, and, and started doing the whole punk thing. Mm. And it was just such a different, like, when I, when I moved over to acoustic and started trying to do more, you know, I don't know what the right word is, but when I tried to start doing something that was so vastly different than, than what I'd done before, I found that I just, it didn't happen by magic. Mm. And, <laughs> you know, it, it was something that I needed to kind of learn the genre better. I needed to learn how to write those things. I need to learn how to play acoustic guitar properly, you know, all that stuff. And that mm. was probably my biggest thing is it was just a, I'm a, I've always kind of had the mentality of, oh, well, let's just go for it. Let's just do yeah. it. Let's just see what happens. And, you know, I did and I failed and that was okay. Um, because I, I learned a little bit from it. Um, the only drawback was that 10 year break that it took to kind of prime the pump again. But, mm. um, in that time, I think just, you know, listening to the genres more, um, just trying to educate yourself on people's writing styles and, and why they do what they do. Mm. Um, that stuff's pretty important to me because, you know, like I said, I, I'm not some great talent that just magically spews out beautiful music or anything of the sort. I'm a, I'm a definitely earned <laughs> what, what little I've learned and, and, and been able to do has definitely been earned <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And what type of musicians were you looking at during that time to kind of learn from them and be influenced by, you know, um, I've got some weird ones. Um, that you guys may not even know. Um, there's a, there was a band called Pedro the lion that um, they're still doing stuff, but they, they were a band. And then uh, the lead singer, main guy, uh, David Bazan um, did some solo work. 
and then kind of went back to the band. Mm-hmm. But I listened to a lot of his work um, just because I thought he had a very intelligent writing style mm-hmm. uh, and the way that he told his stories and the way that he, he just had this uncanny ability to make you feel things. Mm-hmm. And um, so I spent a lot of time with him and I've always been a big fan of his work. Um, and it's been kind of an evolution, you know, I, I, I started in with, with guys like that were kind of indie rock and the mm. acoustic thing. And then, um, you know, the, the whole Lumineers and like Mumford thing happened. Yeah. And that kind of sparked me a little bit because I'd been thinking, you know, the first time I remember the first time I heard the Lumineers, I had been thinking for a while how cool it'd be to do like an acoustic thing with a cello and, mm. and you know, something stripped down and then here they come and I'm like, ah, I missed it. They got me, <laughs> you know? And, but um, they're so good at what they were doing. You know, they were, especially their first record. Yeah. So raw and stripped back. I really enjoyed kind of seeing what they were doing and, and, and studying them and like the Avon brothers and, and a lot of those bands um, and which I still listen to a lot of, um, and then guys like Gregory Allen Isakoff. Um, there's just so many guys that have these uncanny abilities to kind of work their own authentic sound out. And it's, it's great to kind of just kind of step back and, and, and just kind of look at what they're doing and, and yeah. why they're doing it and the way they're doing it. it. It's, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit of a student of the game. Yeah. <laughs> I try to, I try to find the best ones that are doing certain things well and, and, and try to figure out why they're doing it. Not necessarily mm-hmm. to copy them, but um, to understand their process and, and why their, their process is what it is. And it's, I don't know. I'm just a, I'm a student. I, uh, I love listening to these guys. I could, I could rattle names off all day. Mm-hmm. Um, Benjamin Todd and yeah. the, I mean, there's, there's so many out there right now making amazing authentic music. Mm. when did you see yourself obviously as a student like you can listen to things and take stuff in but i always think there is a difference between musicians who you can actively see start paying attention to not necessarily market and trends and stuff but they know how the game is kind of working and being played and i think you're one of those people who does well in that kind of world who knows the right kind of paths not necessarily to just tread but to watch where people are going and not necessarily just emulate them but to see how it all fits into each other. That's the trick, right? Like uh, trying to figure out and see all the other things that people do that are a little bit outside of the box, Mm. because let's be honest, you know, we have, we we put our record out yesterday and it is one of those deals where it's like, you want to promote it just like everyone else promotes it. You know, you want to follow the model, but that becomes a little bit of kind of a white noise situation. It seems like, cause you see like every single day, someone's putting something out and, you know, looking at these other artists and some of the things they've done, whether it's the big, bigger bands or the smaller bands, you know, of course people like me, I love looking at independent artists and, and kind of seeing how they grab someone's attention, not to emulate them and, or, or not to, you know, copy the things they're doing, but to prime the pump a little bit and mm. to get yourself to start thinking out of the box a little bit. Cause I mean, I have a pretty small reach, you know, we're a small, smaller, you know, we don't tour a lot. We, you know, we just don't get 
that far out of our region. So for us to reach, you know, further away, you got to kind of come up with creative ideas to grab people's attention. Mm-hmm. Just anything really out of the, out of the ordinary seems to, to be, you know, beneficial when you're trying to promote things or, 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 or start a little bit of buzz or something. Yeah. So yeah, I, I totally appreciate the artists that are out there kind of rethinking the way they, they uh, attempt to get their music out there for sure. Mm. Yeah. I think one of the best things that ever happened to me that was kind of unintentional was like, I'm a huge kiss fan and I read Gene Simmons's autobiography way too young. But yes. when I first read it, a lot of it was like, Oh shit. It's a music <laughs> business. And it was how obviously you can like, I know kiss are huge sellouts and I know Gene Simmons is a terrible person to interview. Like half the shit he says is awful, <laughs> but you can, he's where he is because of his business savvy and his marketing and stuff. I remember reading that book. And then from then whatever band or project I was in, I was always like, we need to have a way to market this in a way that's not just the norm. Yes. 100%. Like I, it's, it's crazy because the music industry is so weird, man. Like it's, it's changed so much. You know, I'd said I took 10 years off. I, I came back and the industry was so different than what it used to be. You know, the internet has just changed everything. Like I'm sitting here talking to you from across the pond, you yeah. know, um, talking about some, you know, talking about music and, you know, you couldn't have done that with the ease that we do it now. Um, back then and just uh it's it's just it's it is really incredible when you see these guys that are that are that are willing to kind of step their game up and 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 do things out of the ordinary because you know we all know those bands that are local you know to local to us yeah that are are just amazing right you go see them live and you're like man these guys are awesome why are they not doing more than they're doing or, or, or whatever. And it, it really comes down to either you are willing to go all in on that stuff and, and, and think outside the box, you know, say, say, say it's an artist that just is trying to do anything to get noticed. Um, some of these guys will do it and some of them won't. And, you know, if you don't have real specific goals, you know, maybe you're like us and, and we don't really care how big we get or, or any of that stuff. But um, some of these artists, it feels like they, uh, they uh, just spin their wheels mm. um, and, and don't really do anything different and they yeah. expect change. And it's, it's the same thing as being a human, right? Like, you know, you can't just keep doing the same thing, getting the same results and expecting that to eventually change. Yeah. We got to, we got to think about that stuff. So I don't know, man, like, um, I think at least I enjoy listening and seeing what these, these bands will do that, that, yeah. that have been there before or trying something out of the box. I mean, it's, I don't know. We all, we all need to learn from each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to see. Like, I know there is that kind of pushback when it's like an artist or a musician is like, well, I'm a musician. I shouldn't have to do any of this shit. And it's like, that may have well been true if you had a record label behind you or it was like the 70s. But you're in the 21st century and it's like you have to, like if you 
don't even have like the bare minimum you should have like a band camp facebook twitter instagram and post on it at least once a week if you really can't be asked at any level that's like the bare minimum in my opinion oh yeah yeah and and, and, and keeping that fan interaction yeah i mean how important is that like again we don't have a huge reach but the reach that we have, we have some pretty loyal, you know, listeners and it's, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's crazy just how some people just, I guess they, everyone just views everything so differently, but some, some artists really do. They just, you know, well, we always make jokes. The lead singer doesn't like to carry gear into the show yeah. and the whole thing, you know, but um, it's a little bit like that just in general, you know, I, I don't want to have to do this. I mean, that should, I should be able to find somebody to do it for me or yeah. nah, man, dude, you know how much music's released every day in the world? Like, you know how many bands are out here doing this thing, trying to do like literally doing anything to grab your attention. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're going to have to go that extra step every now and then and, and, and try to figure some way to connect with your people. Yeah, man. I remember I had an artist that I approached to be on this podcast just because this is another thing that I wanted to do to just talk to people and create something that I found interesting. I was just like, it might be fun to chat to other musicians. And it's not got the biggest reach in the world, but I think it's still fun to do. And I asked this artist to be on it, and his team got back to me and said, that's not something he does. He's a musician. And I was like, (laughs) okay. But then in the same like week, they put a post up about how they've not been getting the gigs that they felt they deserved because they were like, yeah. And he was like, I'm not going to be playing the game, but then (laughs) the game is not letting me play. And it's like, well, yeah, of course, like you need to have that give and take willing to try new things and step out of your comfort zone and actually engage with the technology and the social media platforms are available to you. Otherwise you aren't going to progress. Like, It'd be amazing to just have to send out an actual physical postcard or a mailing list to someone and have a career, but that's not the world we live in. Yeah, it's 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 insane. Like, I just, I don't know. I just I I uh, I'm all, I'm also personally like as a music fan, I am turned off by people who uh, feel like they should should or shouldn't have to be doing certain things like that. Mm, yeah, you know, like I don't know, like. I'm sure that once you get to a certain level that, that it's just, you can't do every little thing you're asked to do and and all that. And I, and I, and I get that, but, but then to act like you're not getting anything because you're turning down the stuff that you, you could be doing is weird. At least in my mind, I don't know. You, you you just, I don't know. Even the smaller, smaller guys like us, you know, that, 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 have we have our own little little universes you know and 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 connecting to those people into those those types you know like your podcast or something like that i mean he 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 doesn't know everyone that listens to your podcast i mean mm-hmm. you know or, or he, him or her i don't know which one it was but um you know they don't know who who's listening to your podcast or whatever. I mean, it's it's it is an opportunity to uh, reach out and you know maybe meet some new people and and you know connect with some fans that maybe wouldn't be listening to what you're doing. Yeah, I mean I I've found so many artists through Rogue Country Radio 
that um, it's almost embarrassing how how few of these people I sometimes know that you guys you know crank out on your episodes or mm. you do an interview with somebody and I'm like oh cool I'm I'm gonna listen to this you know see who this guy is or whatever you know yeah and you know it I don't know what your numbers are and I don't really care what your numbers are but I will say this I I am honored to be on your show bro oh, thank you so much man but that's the thing where it's just like you're just willing to make a connection and talk to someone. Like I think some artists have an attitude and an ethos of like, I want to keep it real. And that means fuck you to everything. Cause I remember right. I saw Sturgill Simpson at the beginning of 2020 and he did like a UK tour and it didn't sell that well. Like it wasn't a sold out show and he stopped the show for like 10 minutes to have a rant about like losing money on the European tour and how we were kind of mugs for coming out to this thing to support him when he shouldn't have had to do it. And I, like, wow. and I was on the front row like, fuck this guy. Like, I'm right? a huge Sturgill fan, and I was just like, you can't stop berating someone for coming to a thing that you wanted to put on. And then it's just, it was a real weird, like, clash of, I get that he goes against, like, the CMAs and, you know, nashville or whatever but to then start calling out the people who are actually coming to see you on a european tour just because the european tour didn't sell as well as you wanted to was a really weird fucking thing to witness right yeah that 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 and i've heard artists do stuff like that before and always it always kind of flabbergasts me or something you know it's like wow dude like you're basically making the fans that actually showed up feel like crap yeah (laughs) i think like you're not but man, it's like, for me, like the nature of it, it all boils down to is relationships. Mm. Like, I mean, whether it, in, in my daily life, if it's in our, in my music, if it's, you know, the communities of music around, like I'm all about people's journey. And I, I love the fact that everyone's journey is different. I love the fact that everyone has different experiences and, you know, and it seems to me like there are a couple of different mentalities out there that, you know, you've got your musicians that, you know, kind of have that F you attitude and the whole deal. But then you've got the artists out there that um, genuinely want to support the other artists and genuinely want to, you know, make those connections and, and, you know, learn what they can and just, you know, be a supportive human. Yeah. And that's the community that I draw to. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm such a big fan of what you guys are doing Um, is, is just simply like you are, you know, you're that type of people. You're, you're the, you're the type of people that are reaching out and, and making those connections and supporting other artists. And that's, I mean, that's the, for me, that's the heart of it. Like that's the best, that's the best part of this whole industry. Nothing, man. Like I, I've never understood if someone loves this type of music or loves any type of music, why you wouldn't start trying to get involved and network with other artists. Like I get one to because I, I have this kind of thing. Like I've talked to the road country guys where we don't want this to overshadow our own careers in music and our own like releases, but it's never going to impact it enough to not s- still do that networking thing and still offer advice and show support and play people's songs and shit it's never going to get to a level where it will overshadow but it's making sure you know where the lines are right it could i can only imagine it's a difficult thing mm. 
to try to balance all that and, and try to be able to do it. I, I, I love podcasts. I'm on the road a lot. So I, uh, I listen to a lot of audio books and podcasts and, and anything you can think of. And, and I've always kind of thought it'd be cool to do a podcast. Um, and guys like yourself are the reasons why, why I, oh, I feel that way. Definitely do a like, podcast. It would be cool to sit around and talk to dudes all day about music. And, and, uh, you know, the other day I was listening to your episode of, uh, Bella White. Mm. I, I, had, it's funny because, um, I had not heard that interview when it came out and I, it, it's not that long ago, I don't think, but, um, I had organically just stumbled across one of her videos. Um, and I'd seen her name before and like, I'd seen her getting shared around, but I hadn't quite, I hadn't dealt, d- mm-hmm. dived into any of her work. I think she did a video on, was it Western AF maybe? I think she did that, the Western AF one recently. Yeah. Yeah. She did that. Uh, something leaving song, yep. the, the the main one or whatever that, that, that gets pushed out. And, and I, I just, like literally stopped everything I was doing and watched that video probably like four or five times. And um, then being able to, (laughs) then to be able to go over to to your podcast and and hear your talk with her and kind of get a perspective. Okay. Who, who is this person? You know, what are they about? What are they doing? It, It was, it's just cool, man. Like, I just, I think it's a cool thing. Yeah, man, that's like, that's why I kind of started was it was I look like I've been a huge fan of podcasts. And there's obviously there's the spin that shit podcast and hippies and cowboys, but I hadn't really heard them when I started this one. So I was just like, who do I want to talk to? And I'm luckily enough, like I'm lucky enough to know some cool musicians. And one of the things that you probably know yourself from gigging, you can chat with people and you can interact and stuff, but you don't get to have like, a long conversation with people until it's like maybe the end of the show and still it's you know people are packing down and shit and it's still a busy time so this has been a really interesting way to get to sit down with people and carve out some time to actually talk to them about songwriting and marketing stuff yeah i don't think people realize how uh hectic shows are for artists yeah you know like we show up to this place and we see all these people that we probably like that we want to have big, long conversations with. And they're all probably music lovers that we would love to sit there and just chat music with off and on throughout the night. And, and, you know, you just don't really have time to no. do that because there's so many people you got to talk to and you can check in with and get ready for your show. Then you play the show, you got to tear down. And yeah, no, it, I, I get that for sure. man. Yeah. Well, it's crazy, man. But obviously the reason you're is I'm a huge fucking fan of your music with through the night that got released, obviously yesterday, obviously it's only been a day so far. What's the response? I've seen some really great um, interviews and reviews for it that came out beforehand, but was there a good response on the day when you released it? Um, I think so. Um, from what I've gathered, um, if we are just talking sheer numbers, like with, we have a pretty small reach, you know, like I said, our numbers aren't, aren't crazy huge typically from where we're starting with this project, but um, based on what we understand that our reach is already yeah. and, and based on those numbers, like I feel like they, they did well um, from what I've seen. And um, more than anything though, is just the support and the overwhelming like reaction yeah. that people had yesterday. You know, you, Yesterday was 
it's a it's a little bit of an anxiety riddled day, you know, when you put a record out. Yeah. You know, I was telling my buddy the other days, kind of like you think about like back when you were a kid, and like maybe you had a crush on this girl, <laughs> and you sent her a note, you know, proclaiming your love, and that moment that the note goes away and it's on its way to the girl, you trick yourself into thinking about like all these possibilities, the good, the bad, the ugly, the whole thing. And you really just wanted to get that letter and read it and react to it. So you can stop. Like, I don't know. It's, it's a weird place when you put out a record, man, like it's a a weird head place to be that day. Um, But I, but people were so supportive and just had so many kind words. And, and the thing that me and the boys were really, like excited to see is like a lot of the different reviews that came back. It sounded like people were, were actually hearing what we were trying to do. Yeah. And that meant a lot because I know that the music we're doing isn't, you know, necessarily fit into a box. Um, it's a little, it grabs stuff from like a lot of different places to kind of make, make it what it is. And so you don't really know how those things will be received. Um, but a lot of the reviews were, were pointing just that fact out that, Hey, you guys are doing something a little different. Yeah. You know, that's, that's good. Um, we appreciate that. You know, things, things like that. It, it, it was nice to feel like people were actually listening to what we had done. Um, so validation there uh, came, came pretty strong yesterday, which was kind of nice. Good man. And how long had you been like, how long have you been sitting on the record for? When did you finish like recording and then the mixing and mastering of it? You know, it took us forever to actually get to the studio. We'd been wanting to get in for a while and, and we had a pretty shoestring budget. Um, but we had, we had kind of mapped it out and planned it out. And I had a pretty good idea what we wanted to do. Um, we had some issues this last year um, finding a consistent drummer. Mm. Um, which we brought in a guy named Chris Carver, who is amazing. Um, but once he kind of got on board and once he started actually figuring out what we were trying to do, where he could really kind of contribute in more of, more of a way than just playing percussion behind yeah. us, um, that's when we knew it was time. So we got in the studio um, – Gosh, when did we go in the studio? Was it October? I don't even remember. <laughs> I have to go back and look. Um, but we did everything in one day. Oh, really? Um, oh, it was early November. Yeah, it was early November. We did everything in one day, pretty much. Um, so everything you hear on the record was us literally walking into a studio. And we, were, we spent about eight hours in the studio. Um, we just all played at the same time and mm. uh, I had to do some touch up stuff on some bleed through on some tracks, but that I had to go back up there for that. I was only there for probably an hour and a half, but yeah, we all walked in, kind of did that um, early, early November. Mm. And I mean, man, it, it, it moved quick. Um, the, the guy that the studio that we went through, um, did did a great job kind of mixing things down and making the changes that we wanted to make. And um, we used our mastering guy who is incredibly fast, um, literally had our masters back to us in like a day and a half. Nice. 
And um, then we just basically been sitting on it, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> waiting because that, that all happened pretty fast uh, once we finally started doing it. But man, the, the map out and just making sure we had the right people playing with us and 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 kind of had the, the whole thing put together. But it helped us be prepared. So we were able to walk in and do yeah. it all in one day and save a little money that way and the whole mm-hmm. deal. So, yeah, it was it was a pretty quick process, really. That's awesome, man. That's such an like that's such a fast turnaround for it to be november so it's been three months basically yeah you know it really helps to have it in your head what you want to do yeah um the only thing that didn't go the way we had really planned was we had one other song that we were going to put on the record that i just hated it after we did it and i was like this is not gonna work mm-hmm. so instead of trying to go back in and re-record we just decided to drop it for now yeah um but that was really the only hiccup we had and i i really ch- chalk it all up to just being super prepared yeah. you know and it didn't hurt that all the songs that we recorded we'd been gigging out with and we haven't really slowed down on our gigs not that mm-hmm. we you know tour relentlessly or anything but we'd been playing enough that we were pretty tight with what we were wanting to do, mm. made some adjustments, you know, in rehearsals and, and we were able to go in. And, and that was one of the things that doc set up at the studio was, you know, he's like, Hey, I appreciate you guys being prepared, you know, cause I don't, I know a lot of people kind of go in the studio and they don't really know what they're going to do. And they've got some ideas, and <laughs> you know, like for me, like I want to have all that stuff. Like I hate, I hate going in the studio cause it's, it's stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I love the, the, the product afterwards. Yeah. So like when I go in the studio, like I'm, I'm crazy over the top. Like I've got to like really be prepared, you know, yeah. um, which may just be part of, um, me feeling like I'm not quite as talented as some of these guys who just walk in studios and make up songs and, and start cashing checks. But, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know. I, I do think it is really important though, just trying to be as prepared as you can going into the studio and that way there's there's less problems that can occur and you can't have those quicker turnarounds when you do no. that. So yeah. A hundred percent man. I think if you're in a studio, obviously the type of people if you've got your own home studio or your fucking like Bruce Springsteen level where you can walk into a studio with nothing written down. And just fuck around until something comes out. But when you're an independent musician on a budget, it's time is money, man. And it's if you can get an entire album done in one day's recording time, that's fucking phenomenal. Yeah, I, I, I I've I've heard of other guys doing that. I think I was talking with uh do you are you familiar with Arlo McKinley? Mm. Um I had seen him play, it's probably been a couple of years ago. Um, he had come through and we were chatting a little bit after the show and he, uh, he had mentioned that they had recorded their first record like that. Mm. And I was kind of shocked because I mean, that record did really well. Um, it sounded phenomenal. And he's like, yeah, man, we just all walked in and did it in a day and just left. I was like, wow. And he's like, yeah, we all recorded together, which is ultimately probably one of the reasons why we ended up doing it that way mm. um but yeah we found a studio here that he does primarily does like video work yeah and um we we put out a video last year we had come in and did a short little video with him and um i liked what they had kind of done i think you guys actually rogue uh played that song on one of their episodes which is pretty cool 
because we ended up dropping the audio of it too. Mm. And, um, but he doesn't do like typical studio tracking. Um, he um, primarily does the video stuff and he doesn't, he's, he's not a fan of just sitting there like going one track at a time, one yeah. instrument at a time. Like that's just not his thing. And he's like, yeah, I don't really want to record a record unless we can just kind of do it like that and yeah. make some changes later on. And I'm glad he did because it ended up being the most practical way for us to do it. And it was definitely the quickest way for us to get it out and kind of get it moving because we had waited so long to do this. Um, once you finally got going, you're ready to really just start yeah. pushing it and get it, get it moving for sure. Mm. Yeah. It's all man. I was in the studio in November and it's, I went in with the drummer and the fiddle player was meant to be in there, but he was, he ended up getting sick. So it was just me and the drummer and we did it live recorded it and then just like overdubbed and touched things up after the fact. But I think that is, especially for like our style of music where the guitar and vocals is so like integral together. Like cause it's, you're playing it at the same time. Like when I did my album played the guitar stopped and then sang it, there was just a disconnect. That I, I don't know if anyone else could hear, but I can hear. You know, it's, it's, I don't know if there's a right answer and I, I'm sure it's all different for like every artist. Um, I think some people and, and how the guy, how the uh, engineer at the studio is trying to explain it to you. Cause I was talking about something. I was like, yeah, I can't do that. My brain doesn't work like that. And he was like, yeah, man. Like, and then he was talking about like how your brain is wired and our creativity and how some of us can like play with metronomes and other of us really struggle with that. And he was kind of going into this whole process. Of course, I think he was a drummer, so he, he kind of <laughs> yeah. understood some of that. But yeah, it, it's it's crazy to think that like one guy can go into the studio and you know he play a guitar, never sing a word, then walk over to a microphone, sing his parts, you know, and, and like that's the process that works for him. And I've noticed, like for me, like. I definitely do better when I just sit down in the room with guys and, and kind of do my thing yeah. and um, just feel it a little bit. And I don't know. I think we all have our process and, and, and it's it just like, maybe, maybe that guy was right. Maybe our brains are all just wired so differently that we just have our own way of doing it. But yeah, it definitely has a, it has a more flow to it. And you've, I'm sure you've heard people say that before too. You, you know, you know, you go in the studio, it, it, you you play like that and you play the whole song, you know, it just has a different vibe to it. And yeah. I think you can hear that on our record that if you're listening close enough that you can hear that we were probably all in the room doing that together. Cause there's little mistakes and, and there's little misses here and there that, that, that I noticed that maybe not everyone would, but mm. um, yeah. <laughs> yeah man, how long, obviously you said you've been rehearsing these and playing them live. How long had you been playing them live for as a band and stuff before? And so in terms of like kind of practicing living those you know songs. um those songs are it's a collection there's some newer stuff on there and there's some stuff that i've been playing for a while um of course um adelaide the track adelaide we had released as our first single when i first started doing this um early early on before i even had a band and we re-recorded it because it had evolved so much yeah. um you know with the current construction of the broken binding um, we started playing. I want to say the first show that Chris played with us was in June mm. and he had played with us all through the summer and all through the fall and had kind of became our 
default go-to percussion guy. Um, so we had kind of been doing it for, for about four or five months mm. as a group. Um, mm. Although some of those songs, like I said, had been around for a while, uh, the last couple of years when I started the project. Uh, so, but they were all new to him. So, mm. you know, you give it three or four or five months. Awesome, man. And with those live shows, obviously you've been playing with 49 Winchester and you've been doing like live shows since then what's the crowd reaction been to these songs? And like, obviously like you don't have the biggest reach, but I can see from just like my perspective online from the UK, you have been paying your dues and you have been getting people, you know, really into what you're doing. You know, the the thing that I always think of it, and I've mentioned this before talking to other people um, during the pandemic, where we are in Missouri, um, we shut down for a little while, but we never like really, really shut down. Mm. Um, Now the venues shut down for a little while and people weren't really coming out, Mm. but some venues kind of kept going. And it was right when I got together with a few of these guys um, and started kind of working on stuff that this happened. And we just kind of looked at each other and said, guys, you know, if you're, you know, comfortable with it, I think we should just keep playing, even if there's nobody there. Yeah. And, you know, we'd go and play shows for, you know, just a handful of people. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not being, you know, I'm not trying to be cute. Like, I mean, a handful of people, like (laughs) a lot of these shows, but we just kept grinding. Like um, we figured one, it was a time for us to get tight and figure out, you know, what works for us as a group and what does it and the whole thing. Um, but at the same time, we were, we were out there kind of grinding in the area when a lot of bands just shut it down, you know, and I don't blame them, you know, I, I totally get it. Um, but we just kind of use that time as a, uh, a learning curve and say, you know, Hey, let's get out here and do our thing. And then when things started opening up again, we were one of the people that people called because, you know, they'd seen our name. They saw, saw that we were still out doing stuff. And, you know, when you haven't, you haven't been doing anything in a, you know, some of these guys, it was over a year. Yeah. And when you hadn't done anything in that long, um, then you got to kind of restart up that buzz and restart up those conversations and, and start reaching out to venues that, that, aren't having the best success anyway. And so, so yeah, I think, I think it was a little bit advantageous that we were, that we were able to kind of power through a little bit, at least Mm. for our, for our sake, you know, we got better during that time. And and I think it has had a pretty positive effect on us that we were able to do that, but you know, I'm not real big into lockdowns either. So (laughs) yeah. No, it's hard one, man. I think we've got one coming in, in the UK. I know a fuck ton of tours have just been cancelled for like January. Yeah, February, I saw Culture Wall. Culture Wall just cancelled. I think January and February. Yeah, in the, in the state side over here. Yeah, but it's just fucking wild, man. But with obviously the record out, the videos you released beforehand were fucking hilarious. <laughs> what was the concept behind those? I don't know, man. I really don't. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I think every, I think every, I didn't, those didn't get as much plays and views as I kind of expected them to. 
Um, because I did think they were a little funny. I mean, they're, they're obviously no budget and the whole thing is just like dudes on their phones making mm. silly videos. But I, you know, it kind of goes back to that whole, like trying to think outside the box and yeah. draw attention in the whole thing. And I wasn't even thinking, man, I didn't even, I barely had that thing kind of like outlined in my head <laughs> when we walked in and did it. And I just shot a bunch of, stuff that i thought might relate to each other and try to put it together <laughs> later on but yeah i got i got a lot of love on the chicken photo yeah my- <laughs> so you know me holding the chicken was that was the whole reason i think i shot the whole video because i wanted a picture of me holding the chicken <laughs> no mind that was such it's such a good thing and it's like going back to the marketing side of things it's like because you i've seen tiktok's meant to be like the biggest change for social media and that's where you need to be to get like noticed kind of in this day and age by the new generation or by a new audience. But then you see a lot of bands pandering to it in ways that's just like cringy and it's just not them. But yeah. that, that video you did was just authentically your human. <laughs> and it's like, it's the same thing. Like I'm a huge, like always Sony fan and you can see their humor shine through that. Yes. So if you find, if they find it funny, you find it funny. And, you know, going into it, I was trying, they're like, okay, so what do you want to do with this? You know, cause I had a few people kind of helping me with it and, and I kept trying to explain it. Cause um, I know you guys have a different, you have the UK, the office over there yeah. that was a little older, but the American, the office, uh, my wife is a huge fan of and just watched, you know, nonstop there for a while. And I'm a fan. I think it's funny. And I kept saying, I was like, it's kind of like a documentary a little bit like you'd see in the office. Yeah. Um, but obviously not done anywhere near as well, <laughs> but yeah, man, there were so many outtakes, uh, from the, from the table conversation where I was sitting down with Tex and he was giving me advice. I mean, there, there's probably 15 minutes of footage of him talking about everything from Hanson to <laughs> David Hasselhoff to, uh, you know, how we were going to get David Hasselhoff to come over and then he was, I can't remember what the other thing was. He was going to make a cat video out of all, all of us. We were all going to be different cats. And, you know, he was just coming up with all these silly ideas just off the cuff. And, and I, I wish I could have put more of them in there. Mm. But I was like, I got done with it. I was like, man, this thing's like almost eight minutes long. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's genius, man. And it's that kind of thing because I was talking to another artist about this. And it's if you're having songs that they're not necessarily humorous, but then like you know they can be quite heavy, even if they're done fast or lighthearted, they've still got a weight to them. And to show that juxtaposition of that kind of sense of humor and stuff, it really just lets you show the artist as a whole. And I really got like your sense of humor coming through that on top of listening to the record. Yeah, man. I uh, I don't know. If we're if we're gonna do this stuff, we might as well have fun with it along the way, right? Like, a, a fucking men. I mean, we no matter no matter what level you're at, if you're if you're playing out and doing music, you have somewhat of a platform. It may be a small platform, but it may be somewhat of a platform. So you might as well use that to do silly stuff and have fun with it, and just kind of you know just do your thing and. I don't know. It's I, I enjoy those little silly videos and stuff, and and making silly little graphics for our uh, for our shows. You know, make like a show flyer with my head on on you know the kid that's 
riding the bicycle with ET in his basket or something <laughs> yeah. like that. You know, like I, 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 I don't know. I don't know why I think it's funny, but I do. So I just keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah man, so, I, I don't know. It popped up on my memories the other week that um, I'd announced my European tour and I'd photoshopped like my head and Bigfoot's head onto Jack and Rose on the Titanic to be yes. like, t- like tickets booked for the ferry to Europe. And I love that. Yeah, it's just stupid shit like that. And like at the beginning of the pandemic, I was doing some videos and I do want to pick them up again because I did like a fucking cooking lesson one to like survive the pandemic and it's like how to feed yes i did i it made so- a, i made a cooking video too <laughs> yeah i did it, it so corn- it was like how to feed- i called it corn go ahead sorry sorry how to feed you your wife and your two cats and then it was like day two how to feed your wife and one cat day- <laughs> i love that That's day so three funny. how to feed you and your one cat and then the yes. last shot was um the cat jumping off with like a dead body <laughs> that's great i'll send it you have that post where you have that posted somewhere yeah man it's on my um facebook page i think what was the one you did <laughs> the cooking video um it was called quarantine cooking with james <laughs> and i did i did like a short little funny like had like a little musical intro with me r- riding in a canoe and and I came on and it was, uh, I can't remember the first one. Oh, I, I did a, a, a meat video where I was showing how to handle meat. Mm. And, um, then, and then I did another one where I was, uh, making, uh, taco waffles, which is essentially a waffle with peanut butter in it <laughs> on top of it. And then you squeeze it together like a little taco <laughs> and hand it to your kids. Nice. So, um, <laughs> No, you're, I really got to look yours up, man. I yeah, man, I'll, I'll shoot it over to you. But I was dead proud of that one. I, and, but again, it's one of those things where you're just like, this is funny to me. Let's see if anyone else <laughs> finds it fucking funny. Dude, just hearing about it, I'm laughing. <laughs> it's great. Thanks. Um, but yeah, that's it's one of those things where it's the same thing with music, man. It has to be interesting to you. And if right. it's not interesting and funny to you, why would anyone else find it interesting or funny? that's that's such as it's just art in general like having that creative outlet to do the things that you you enjoy or 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 you find interesting or funny or or whatever i mean just embrace it run with it man like what else are we going to do what what's someone not going to like you because you made some video on the internet you know i I don't know like we i i'm just i've been trying to take the mentality like in my personal life of Hey, I can do that. Hey, I can do that. Yeah. Oh, why, why don't I just go do that? Mm. You know, because I I've always been a little bit of a self doubter and a person who's been a little cautious with certain things, and um, I've definitely with whether it be musical opportunities or or, or silly little things like making funny videos and, and putting mm. them on the internet. I'm typically a pretty private person, mm. <laughs> um, so just convincing myself to kind of go all in on that stuff has been been a lot of fun and i think it's been a net positive just in in my overall life and mental health is just being able to kind of embrace that artistic side and just just go for it right you know it it just makes it fun yeah exactly man and i've just thought you need to do a podcast and you need to call it the spoken binding the spoken binding (laughs) nice (laughs) no you know talking about podcasts um i enjoy a good music podcast like i i think it's i think it's 
good, you know, but I'm also a musician. So like, I love to hear their perspective. It's probably a completely different reason that, that some people or most people probably listen to these because they're interested in this guy, you know, this person's music or they're interested to figure out who this person is. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, as a, as a, songwriter or a musician you know you, you kind of hear those conversations differently but man like i remember uh I, I can't remember the guy's name and i've never really listened to his music is it joe pugue or, or pug oh yeah or, joe pug the working songwriter yes such a good podcast yeah it has really really good artists on from a lot of different genres and you know like being able to hear that stuff and, and to hear those conversations and kind of you know where those guys come i don't know man like i just i love it like i think it's cool like yeah and i think it's a good way to like just prime your own pump a little bit you know to uh give yourself the ability to you know see other people do things that worked and 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 try it you know maybe it doesn't work for you maybe it does who knows i don't know yeah definitely man like i've always been a big fan of listeners to people talk passionately about what they're into and it's, you know, whether it's, you know, a comedy or a writer or a like songwriter or a musician or whatever, if they are like talking about their journey of how they kind of broke in and what they did to get to where they are and their perspective and influences, even if it's not in your medium, it's still inspiring to listen to, to be like, oh, maybe the way that comic ground out in the 80s and flyered in that way or advertised himself in that way, I can kind of maybe apply to this. Yes. I uh, I heard a story yesterday. And I'll try to keep it short. Um, uh, a f- someone I know that's involved in like the, the rap music industry mm. uh, was telling me about this guy, and I and I can't remember his name, and, and I don't want to butcher it, so I won't say it. But uh, he uh, not a big known guy, not not a not a thing, but was really well, you know, like did did good um mm. you know people people enjoyed him thought he was really talented um was opening up for some smaller groups here and there um but really understood how it all worked so i guess what he did was like he went to all these college campuses and he dressed up um he was he's kind of a small how how he's described to me was kind of a a smaller scrawny black kid mm. you know just kind of so he put on like these urkel glasses and, and, and kind of urkled it up a little bit yeah. and, and just went full nerd and like went to these college campuses with like a like a boom box right and he would put the boom box down and he would try to like stop people that are walking by and be like hey man i'm trying to be a rapper will you listen to my rap and you know like and he was making videos you know, and posting them online and in social media. And I think I've seen other people do this too. Um, but this was apparently several years ago. Anyway, he had, he had taken that and he, then he would do his little rap. And of course the guy was really good. So people were always like, Oh, this nerd's rapping. You know, <laughs> and that's, that's the, that's the hook. Right. But the trick that he did after the fact was he made them sign um, the, the waiver deal you know Mm. the releases and all that stuff and when they signed it they had to put like their phone number or their email on there so he took all those emails and phone numbers and every time he put up a video 
he he created like a text message system that would send out mass text messages to, to all these numbers hmm. or all these emails and say, hey, you know, the video you were in is now posted here. You should share it. That's and, so fucking genius. Right. And then he took it another step. He left everybody on that big master text list that he had. And he he took that list and left everybody there. He would shoot a new video and be like, hey, Arizona State, um, you know, you guys were great, but I was just over at Arizona and shot this video. Check it out because they they can't they think they came harder than you guys, you know. Mm. And then he would kind of make it a thing. So every time he shot a video, he was telling every single person that he had made a connection with. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like obviously I'm not going to go around and do that. Um, no one wants to hear me rap, <laughs> but at the same time, that was a super, super ingenious way to kind of make connections with people and whatnot. Yeah. And from what I understand, next time this guy put out a record, it just blew up mm. and he made, he made good money off of it and put a, you know, got a ton of plays because he had been making all those connections. Yeah. And I was like, what a creative way to go out and do this, mm. you know? And you know, of course, he finally puts out his huge record and he goes back to that text message list and says, hey, guys, remember me? You know, I'm the guy that made that video. Well, I finally turned that song that I sang that day into a record. Check it out. Or the mm-hmm. song that I rapped. And um, I don't know. I just when you see things like that and hear stories like that of different clever ways that, that people um, connect with people, it's 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 really interesting and, and like it, i don't know it just kind of blows my mind like and if we can't figure out how to learn from that yeah um that's that's on us a little bit because yeah that guy it worked for i'm sure there's a ton of other people that try to pull stuff like that off that doesn't necessarily work for yeah. whatever reasons but man like seeing that guy's journey and hearing his story and the way that he connected with people and the whole thing like how cool is that? Like, Hey, that's, that's super creative. Like you went all in on it and you, 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 you just, you went for it and it worked. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, man. Like, and it's, it's showing again, it's that one-to-one engagement of where they, like someone feels listened to and acknowledged by like that musician or artist. And I think that's like, I always try and use like the band camp community side of things where you can message people directly and like use a mailing list and it's those type of things that take it slightly offline because social media can feel like impersonal through facebook and stuff to get into someone's phone or an email address and like thank them personally or talk to them personally is such a huge difference i know like when facebook first started becoming a thing and we all started using it you know musically or whatnot um there was this neat little time period where like organic promotion was like super good and easy yeah and like it was just like every time you made a post was almost like an advertisement um and then like kind of how the algorithms have changed and you know like obviously facebook and all these social media sites are in it to make money so they've basically done everything they can to drive that ad revenue up well, some of the people that get hit are the small businesses, the pages, the the bands, the artists, why not? Because when they go to post stuff, only a handful of people are going to see that post. Yeah. And probably only people that have interacted with you in the last, you know, couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. And 
I mean, I'll post a video, you know, we that I expect, you know, to get X amount of views and it only been seen by, you know, a handful of people. And you're just like, okay, well, that's weird. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, and, and so I try to figure out how to navigate that, how not to spend too much money in advertising and all that stuff, but like is hard, but man, part of me just wishes we'd go back to those days where you know, it's just like every post you posted, everyone saw yeah. the whole thing. I think that's what I like about Instagram is all those pictures stay there until I scroll past them. Yeah. And at least I can catch up and see everything. Um, I don't know. It's, 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 it's weird how all that social media stuff works. Yeah. It's a hard one. Reddit for me has been one of the most interesting and useful things as of late. That's been really a great way to reach people. Yeah. I, I need to spend more time over there. Yeah. And same with the, same with the TikTok. Like, I have a TikTok. I've went over to the TikTok. I've played around with the TikTok. I've watched other people's TikToks. But yeah, I haven't really embraced yeah. the TikTok yet. No, I don't feel I, like it's good yet. No, I, I think it's it's still at the like it's too young for me. I don't get like it's a lot of young kids doing like makeup videos or well doesn't it, things doesn't it like just remind you of vines? Remember yeah, the old vine stuff? Yeah, that's basically, it's like the new version of Vine, but I remember I installed TikTok for like a day because I saw on my, um, like, Ditto, which is the music streaming thing I use, like, distribution, whatever, and it was mm-hmm. like, oh, your song's been used in, like, five TikTok videos, and I was like, oh, shit, that's interesting, so I tried to find it, and I couldn't, and then it was just a <laughs> lot of people trying to, like, no, I just couldn't, I, like, I even, like, I, like, typed in the music so you, you can search by audio files and songs. I couldn't find anything, so I was like, fuck it, I can't be bothered, and deleted it. <laughs> I had a buddy that, that did some TikTok stuff for the first time mm. a couple months ago, so I downloaded it again, and I, I had it all loaded up, and I was playing around, I was trying to make a video, and I was like, this sucks. Yeah. This is dumb. I was yeah. like, I'm not posting this. No, but then if you get it right, and it's authentic, like I know a local oh, band. Oh, I've seen some great ones. Yeah, a local yeah. band to me, they um, did a TikTok of their band practice, and it was like, when the riff hits or something, the bass player pulled like a funny face at the exact time they were filming it, so it was purely like i don't know if it was settled but it seemed like organic and coincidental but the song they played and has now racked up like sixty thousand streams on spotify compared to all the other ones which aren't like are nowhere near that thing so see that's crazy yeah, yeah. it is weird the power of it that. i need uh, you, okay come up with a really cool tiktok video idea for me and we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out yeah but it's even like reels <laughs> on instagram have been quite interesting so i've been using them a bit more i actually like the reels too um it's the millennials I, answer to tiktok i think is what it's being marketed as yeah i uh my daughter and i sat down um the other day and we were going through instagram and she likes cats a <laughs> lot and so basically my instagram reels because of her have, has literally become nothing but cat videos um, but yeah, we even played around and tried to make some videos and posted some stuff, um, just to, to, to see how some of the filter stuff worked and, and all that, like, which is, you know, for some, someone as old as I am, I got to kind of get used to that stuff. It doesn't, doesn't magically just make sense in my head. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of go through it and try to figure it out. And I, and, and I know that's 
like a move that we need to make. I just haven't quite figured out the right way to do those things yet. Yeah. And no. you're, you're right. There's like a nuance to it. Like just trying to figure out the right way to put it together and present it. And, but man, yeah, I have seen other bands like that, that have, that have done like little videos and, and, and just had their song blow up. Yeah. I'm like, well, that'd be cool. It'd be nice to have a song blow up. Yeah. It would be nice. <laughs> wouldn't it? Um, well, just- we, yeah, we're getting past the hour now and I don't want to keep it too long. So Let's go. So uh, Through the Night came out yesterday. What's yes. the plan for 2022? Say, so what are your goals? Are you going to be like hitting the gigs again hard or releasing new music like later down the line? Or what's the plan for Broken Bad? Yeah, just with the album release and stuff, we've kind of slowed down just a little bit on shows. Um, you know, we're playing like, I think we're, we're playing this Friday. And then... Um, We've got a couple of things booked in February, but um, we're kind of wetting the wait a little bit past the winter and really start pushing out for spring yeah, um, and all that. And so we're, we're going to start doing some more booking. Um, we're going to try to hit shows pretty hard. I'm going to finish writing some stuff. Um, and we we're trying to decide um, we were thinking about maybe possibly doing kind of like a, like a, a short little EP mm. that's a little more like string band, mm. um, doing some stuff, a little less percussion and full band, and a little more like upright bass and mm. banjo and guitar type of thing, nice. um, which a lot of times we play out as a trio like that on mm. some of the smaller gigs where we d- don't feel like taking the full compliment because we've got like six guys now. Mm-hmm. That um, when we have everybody at full strength, um, so we can have up to like six dudes on stage, which is a lot to me because I, I mean, I've always done like three and four pieces. Yeah. But um, so the plan is to book some shows, get out and do our thing, possibly play around with the EP idea. That or we might just do another record at the end of the year again. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've got a, a lot of material. Um, so I think, you know, we learned a lot on this last one. We may try to cut that whole eight hour day down to two, four hour days mm. next time around, you know, try to make it a little easier on us. But um, I feel like that's probably what we're going to do. At least that's kind of gathered from the conversations, kind of what the guys are thinking. Yeah. Um, so, you know, hopefully uh, a lot of shows and new music again. That'd be cool. Yeah. Ryan, right, well, I'll let you go. And this has been a pleasure to talk to you like through the night. Dude, it's great great to finally get to talk to you, brother. And that was episode 43 of Into the Van, Into the Bag with James Green from The Broken Binding. Please check out his debut album, Through the Night, available on all streaming platforms. But if you're a real one, head over to Bandcamp and pick it up there and give him some money to actually keep on doing this. Um, Yeah, I hope you're having a good day. I hope you're having a good week. I hope you have a good month. I went to see Scream, like the new one, the fifth one. It was great. It was really fun. I'm not really allowed to recommend films anymore. I have a pretty bad record amongst my wife and friends for doing it, and I apologize. But, you know, I didn't pick Scream, but I went to see it, and it was amazing. Go check it out. Um, Keep on supporting the things you love. Keep listening to the things you love. Go catch some live music if you can, and it's safe to do so. Till next time, guys. Peace.